If you got your Bibles tonight, let's just turn to First uh, Samuel. I'm kidding. I had it picked out already. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 18 is where we're going to start with. And Maxwell will have it on the screen as soon as he's done passing those out. No rush, no rush. It's okay. They got turned there still. Don't forget. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 18. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen beside me or behind me. Not a problem. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, I want to give a little context to this. No, not yet. We'll keep going. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. Preference here. Uh, There was no rain, and Samuel called in rain. And the people were like surprised, shocked. Like, Samuel, are you a wizard? No, he's like, guys, I'm a prophet. You know this. I've been a prophet for years and years and years. I have this power with God. God has the power to control the rain. And if I ask him to rain, it's going to rain. And so they're like, oh my goodness, I'm scared of you. Not the greatest response ever. Verse 19, pray to the Lord your God for us or we will die, they all said to Samuel. For now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong. (laughs) Wait a great comfort. Hey, don't be afraid. You've messed up. But make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. Verse 22, the Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name, for it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. Verse 23, as for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you, and I will continue to teach you what is good and right. 24, but be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. Verse 23 is where we're kind of going to sit tonight. You want to go back to that for a second, Maxwell? As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. uh, This is week two of the series called, drumroll, it's a really great title. I worked on it all week. Prayer. I, you guys know I love like alliterations and fun puns to do with this stuff, but really I feel like the simplest way to encapsulate this entire journey that we have started ourselves on, week two that we find ourselves in, is just calling it prayer because that's what this is about. Last week we talked about short prayers, the short prayer of Nehemiah, the short prayer of Peter drowning. And the thing that both those have in common, if you realize, they really didn't have time for prayer, but they made time to say a very short prayer and the effectiveness of a short prayer and how God knows what's on your heart. And Jesus preaches about that in Matthew chapter 6. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I pray for my voice, that it would make it. I pray for every person in this room, every person that hears this, that you have set this or them on the path of this and that they would hear what you are speaking to them even right now oh lord quiet uh, quiet my ears to hear what you have to say and only you guide my voice guide my words in your name we pray amen i'm always fascinated i'm fascinated with a lot of things let's be honest Uh, i'm fascinated when people leave 
Uh, it sounds really bad, but bear with me here. Like when people leave high school or college or job, when they leave high school, when they're seniors and they leave, like what do they do? Like on their last day, do they give one last maybe, you know, finger to a teacher? Do they uh, say peace out, never coming back, adios, homeboys? Um, and then they never get out of the same town. For me, I never wanted to go back to high school. I hated high school. Maxwell and I talked about this last week. Um, I'd love to talk to you about it sometime. If you ever want to just meet up and talk about how much you disliked high school or dislike where you're at right now or just talk about life, hit me up, guys. I'd love to talk to you. That's what I'm here for. But anyway, so I hated high school. I couldn't stand it. I uh, didn't really get along with the people that well. I quickly found out that work was more fun than actually doing sports because you made money. And um, once I graduated high school, I really didn't ever want to go back. And I've been back, obviously. My parents still live there. And so I go back time to time. I drive by it. But just peace out. I was like, bye, high school. I'm done. When people leave college, when I left college, uh, I don't know, however many years ago that was, um, I really didn't ever expect to come back to Fort Dodge. I uh, see on Facebook when I left, I posted, uh, buy Fort Dodge. I don't know when I'll see you again. I just was like, this is it. I'm done. Won't come back. Won't look how well that worked for me. When people leave their jobs, when I was uh, when I left Fort Dodge for a job, I worked at a company. I really liked the job. I really did. But when it was time for me to leave, I definitely did never. I, I never went back. I haven't been back to that place since. I haven't even been on their property. Uh, not because I have restraining orders or anything. What was the company? Oh, it's just a little fertilizer company. You wouldn't know. A little fertilizer company. No, no. I said little, not gigantic. It wasn't Coke. It was down in Washington. No. Anyways, here we go. When I left there, I, I really kind of just left. I remember it was a Friday. I planned it out that way and that... Next week, Crystal and I were taking off from Missouri for some Chi Alpha stuff, and I left, and that was it. I actually never even said goodbye to the other co-manager. I Honestly, if I would look around, I'd be like, we had a weird friendship. I don't know if you call it a friendship. You never really liked me. I got along great with you, and I know you hate me, and you would love to see me go. So there you go. Peace out. I'm out. You know? Uh, never wanting to like look back, never to go back. I think Samuel, I, I shouldn't say I think, I know Samuel in this passage, in fact, in the heading in the NIV, which isn't written to the original scrolls, but it's Samuel's goodbye. This is what it was. Samuel was tired. A little context to the verse. Samuel walks in. He uh, says, I'm tired of everything. I'm tired of uh, you guys disobeying God. I'm tired of you guys doing what you want to do. And you guys ask for a king, you have a king, I'm done. Peace out, A-Town. Peace out, Girl Scout. See you later, alligator. Psych, that's the wrong number. You know, you, they, they asked for a king, and he even like told them at the time, if you, can I just encourage you for a second? I don't know if you've read Nehemiah this past week. If you did, great job, great book, love to talk about it. If you didn't, here's another great book suggestion. First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, First uh, Chronicles, First yeah. So those are great books. Start in First Samuel. If you want to know the story of King David? You got to start in chapter one and understand Samuel. Samuel was this great prophet of its time. 
Uh, he was leading the uh, nation of Israel. He was leading the nation of Israel. And uh, the nation asked for a king. They said, we want to be like all the other nations and have a king. We don't just want a prophet leading us. That's weird, obviously. How many times can we say in our life when God has called us to do something or God is a part of our life and we look around like, well, they get that, so God, can I have that also? And he's like, you don't want that. And we're like, yes, I do. And he's like, no, you don't. And they're like, we want that. So we do it ourselves and we realize we didn't really want that. That's pretty much what happened to Israel. They're like, hey, can we get a king? And Samuel's like, you don't want that. He's like, no, we really want a king. He's like, there's what's going to happen. And they're like, yeah, we want that. And now they're like, oh, wait, we don't want that. And Samuel's like, eh, sorry, things are going bad. You asked for a king. This is what you get. My job is now gone because you have a king. So peace out, Girl Scout. I got my cookies, and now I'm going home. You know, I think that's what I would say. It's very interesting, though, because we just read what actually Samuel says to him. I know I would say, bye, Felicia. It's your fault. I don't care anymore. Wash my hands of this. Let's go. But what Samuel says in verse 23, it's very interesting. He says, can we get verse 23 up for a second? He goes, as for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. So he has all rights to say, look, the king replaced me. You don't need me anymore. In fact, you asked for me to go. But since you, you know, I'm still here though. It's not like I'm going to go vacation off in Babylon and retire to a cave and just be like me and God. Because, you know, we weren't learned a couple weeks ago, God can't use you in a cave. Never going to use you in a cave. He needs you out there doing stuff. And Samuel understood that. But I love what he says just about the prayer, where he says, I would never sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. It leads to a question. Is it a sin not to pray? Have you ever thought about that? Is it a sin not to pray? Samuel knows he should pray. Obviously, he's still around and he's still a man of God. The nation will always be on his heart. And with that being said, if he doesn't pray for the nation of Israel, for its people, for the mistakes, for everything they've done, then he sins. Remember the nation of Israel, the people asked him, will you still pray for us? And he says, I would never sin against God by not praying for you. Have you ever been in those situations where you're like, I don't want to do this, but I know if I don't do this, I'm in the wrong. Yeah. I feel like that's where Samuel might have found himself. But it's interesting where he says, I would never sin by not praying. God knows our hearts, but we still pray for what's on our hearts, right? If God knows our hearts, then why do we still have to pray? Well, we still have to pray because it's on our hearts. Last week, we talked about short prayers, and really they pray, the prayers were short because that's all the time they had. They really didn't even have time for it. This week, I want to talk about praying for what's on your heart, even if you don't want to pray about it. Praying for what's on your heart, even when you don't want to really pray about it. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, if you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14. Here we go. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. 
the creator of everything in the heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Last verse, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is right smack dab in the middle of the book of Ephesians. I'm going to turn there real quick because I should have done that. Right smack dab in the middle of Ephesians. And I think it's very interesting to note here. Why is Paul writing his prayer? Why did Paul write down and say, hey, this is what I'm praying for? I think it was for more than one reason. His, this, I do believe this is what God, uh, this is what Paul was actually praying. I do think that this was the prayer that Paul was giving. But I think it was so much on Paul's heart that he wanted to say, "Look, this is what I'm praying for, and this is why I'm praying for it." I believe that Paul prayed this because it was so heavy on his heart that he had to get it off just besides his mouth and put it onto paper. If you do not currently write down some of your prayers. How will you ever know what God has answered? Paul writes down what he has. He has a burden for the world. He wants people to find God, that they would be saved and know God's love. I love that verse in verse, uh, is it 18? Let's look here. In verse 18, he says, I can get there. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. I feel like sometimes, this is a little mini-sermon, we need to remember that God's love is too great to fully understand. And, And there's so many times we want to be like, God, I just don't understand what you're doing. It's too big. It's too great to understand. So just experiencing it is enough. Once you experience God's love, those questions are still going to be around, but you can reflect on those times like, God's love is so big that I don't understand, but I don't need to understand either because I've had the, the, the luckiness to, un, to experience it. Anyways, Paul's heart is into these things so much that he has to pray for him. Paul's heart is broken so much. Paul's heart is filled so much for these things that he has to pray for them. He wants to pray for them. Samuel had the same thing. Samuel's heart was for the people. Samuel loved the people of Israel, even through their mistakes. Samuel's heart was full for the people of Israel. And he just wanted them to succeed. And he knew that he just had to pray for them. And that's why he said he would never sin against God because he knew if he didn't pray that it was a sin. I'm not saying you need to get caught up in the religion of I have to pray, I have to pray, I have to pray. What I'm saying is if something's on your heart, if something is burning deep down inside you, then pray about it. If there's 
if there's anything in it, I'm getting in a little ahead of myself, but if there's something inside of you that is hurting, that is burning, that is fighting, that is bringing you to tears, then you have to pray about it. Because until you pray about it, it will constantly still be there. And that's where Paul's heart is. And he prays. And he lets his audience know. I said it before, why would Paul share his prayer? Simply because it was his heart. I want to look through this prayer one more time, uh, starting in verse 14. It says, Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. When I think of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glory, unlimited resources will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts and you will trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all that God's people should. How high, how wide, how deep, how long is his love. I feel like what, what Paul is writing here, I shouldn't say I feel. What Paul's writing here is he's saying, look, when you experience God's love, I pray that you will take it and run with it. I pray that you will take it to the next person. I pray that it will be a baton that you will constantly hand off, that you will constantly find in your hand when it's time to hand it off. That's what I pray for. I pray that you know God's love so well that what I am doing is what you want to be doing. I pray that you know God's love so much that you cannot keep your mouth shut about it. Why would Paul even share this prayer? I think it's to encourage people. Encourage people to realize all that God has. But I also feel like it's, it's his heart. It completely goes back to his heart. Prayer does works we will never see, and that's why we pray. Prayer does things we will never see or comprehend. And that's why we're called to pray. That's simply it. Why is it when we pray for people who are sick, they get healed? Well, simply because God does work. God moves. Prayer works. Why is it when we pray, we see things happen? Scientists would make the argument that because you prayed, it brings it to the front of your mind and that you notice things when they change. And that's probably part of it. But I would also make the argument that when you pray, you vocalize it. And it makes it that much more real and that much more powerful. It's in your heart, right? You're burning, you're breaking for it already. But when you pray, it's a sacrifice. You're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing your mental capabilities. You're sacrificing emotions. Do you remember, and this could just be me, and that's fine too, for a moment of sounding weird and like a mama's boy if you didn't already know this. When I was growing up, uh, I, was a, I was not an emotionally stable person. Um, I cried. I was a crier. I was hurt by family. I was hurt by friends. I was hurt at school. And I just couldn't deal with it. I really couldn't. And I'd come home, and I'd look at my mom, and I would just, break down in tears and I would tell her everything that's going on and I would tell her people you know 
bullied me or abused me or misused me or abused my trust or what have you or teased me or whatever it came down to be. And I remember what it ended up, and this is going to sound weird, but stick with me here. I would just end up on the couch laying down with my head in her lap. And if you know my background, you'll realize that I really didn't have, my parents are divorced, and so I really clung to my mom a lot. But I would just lay there, and she would listen, and she would stroke my hair, and she would calm me down. And it calmed me down a lot, and it brought me a lot of comfort, but I was so broken, I was so hurting, that just laying my head down and crying and talking did so much more than ever coming out with like negative emotions or attacking somebody. I'm, I don't look like a fighter. I don't ever claim to be a fighter. I think it'd be cool if I could be a fighter someday, but look at me. I just, I smile too much. In fact, um, before I ever drove a school bus, one of the bus drivers looked at me and said, I will give you a hint. Don't smile till Christmas. And I'm like, okay. So excited, but I'm not a fighter. And I, and, and I feel like that's what prayer is for me especially. That's what prayer is. Is taking the time and laying your head down on God's lap and crying and talking to God and just laying it all out. Don't you think Samuel? I, I would I would I would only make the deepest assumption that, that that Samuel had to cry at times over the nation of Israel. As the worship team comes back up, Samuel would I, I just I just envision or think that Samuel would lay down and and cry and wail for the nation of Israel because of what they have done, because of the false idols. I could think, I could, I, I imagine that the disciples, Paul, Peter, Timothy, Titus, James, John, whoever, would, would lay down and in their time of prayer, just tears running down their face because of this, this deep burning desire within them for, for the gospel to be shared. And I think that brokenness that when we find ourselves in this time of brokenness, that is when we need to find prayer. That is when taking time just to pray to God. Don't worry about anything else. Don't think about necessarily, am I repeating myself too much? Am I drawing too much attention? Do it in an own private secluded place and, and just pour your heart out. Yes, God knows your heart, but in these times of brokenness, Think about that. Think about those times maybe when you were there and you were broken and you laid your head down on your parents' lap or your friend's lap or on anybody's lap and just, and just cried and said, I'm hurting because of what someone has done to me. Imagine taking that attitude up to a loving father who cares so much about you and just wants to hear what you have to say and laying down on his lap and going, Father, I just, I hurt for what I see. I break for the world that surrounds me. God, I know this love that you have given so freely. 
I can't measure how high, how wide, how deep, how strong it is, but I know that it is big enough, it is immeasurable. And I see hurting people all around me and I just, I just want them to know you. Or you take a prayer and say, God, I am broken. I am lost. I cannot control my emotions. If you're in the middle of crying and you just take those tears and instead of directing them to the ground, just direct them up. Say, God, I'm a mess. Everything in my life right now is a mess. My heart's a mess. My life's a mess. My love life's a mess. My boyfriend choices are a mess. All my choices are a mess. I've made a mess. Really good at making messes. And we just take this brokenness and these tears and instead of just letting them hit the ground, we just fill them with words, with prayers to a God who listens. To a God who hears your heart. You know, there's nothing wrong with crying. I know we all want to be tough guys. I would love to be a tough guy, but look at me. I mean, we've already had this conversation. We all want to be tough guys. We've all heard the guy say, I've only cried three times in my life. The birth of my children passing of my father and when the Eagles won the Super Bowl I don't know we've all heard those type of people before I've only cried three times, four times one time in my life cool I lost count but I do remember the first time I cried during prayer I thought it was so weird why am I crying to a God who loves me why am I crying during a prayer with about something I just like a lot and I'm passionate about. And I realize that crying is just perfectly fine during prayer. It's another way to express your emotions and that's okay. So what I'm saying is, if you're a crier during prayer, that's fine. If you're not a crier during prayer, that's fine. But crying is just a sign of brokenness. It's a sign of surrendering. Your heart is hurting over something, am I right? Your heart is, is broken. Your heart is, is crying. Maybe it's what fills you with sadness at nights. So instead of just, just crying on a pillow already soaked, expecting the same outcome when you do the same thing. Cry with your head on God's lap. Sounds like the weirdest thing I've probably said this year to you. 
Well, why not? Why not cry with your head on God's lap? What other pillow is more comfortable than a father who loves you uncontrollably, immeasurably? He hears you. He sees you. Nowhere else will reward your openness and cries like God. Lay your head on his lap. Don't, don't try to filter your words to impress him. Filtered words only lead to watered-down prayers and watered-down hearts. If God knows your heart, then prayer is necessary during hurting. If God knows your heart, then prayer is necessary when it's hurting. Kind of a vague message for the night, I know. We're going to go back into worship as we do every Wednesday night. As we go back into worship, I want to ask you, what is your heart hurting over? What? What makes you cry? What are you broken? I've said it once, I've said it a million times. No one here in this room is judging you. As I look across the room, the blessed thing about being a small Chi Alpha like this is I know if new people are here or not. Guess what? No new person's here tonight. So that means no new person here is going to judge you for however you want to worship, however you want to pray. Because I know that everyone else in this room, including myself and including the worship team, are not going to look at you in such a way that says, oh my goodness, what are they doing? Because they're worshiping, and I'm worshiping, and the person next to you is worshiping in their own way. So take this time, take these moments, take these next few songs, and take some time to pray. I'm not going to call you to stand right away. If you want to stand, please stand. If you want to turn your chair around and use it as a kneeler, you can. If you want to just bury your head in the desk, that's fine. But use these moments, use these minutes, use these songs to just pray if that's what you need to do.